Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to an extra special second anniversary edition of Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber Musical Comedy Podcast that pits a Glee Club kid against an emo kid to see who complains the most. And speaking of ugly, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined as unusual by no co-host this week, because guess what me, what me, I'm joined by another legendary diva in the studio today, and after running the Hollywood gauntlet for over 40 years, it's time we drag him through our torture chamber. But it's okay, he's a big boy and can handle it since he played a colonel, a captain, a cop and a colonel, a major, a coach and another colonel, an XO, a sergeant, a soldier, a super soldier, a superhero and the superman, a special agent and seriously, another colonel, but also a doctor, a drunk, a detective, a deputy and about eight more colonels within the FBI, CIA, NSA, CSI, CSI, NY, NYPD, NCIS and KFC where he no doubt played the colonel there too. So with a battalion bursting with action-packed roles that made you say, oh, it's that guy again. In The Kid, Predator 2, Wyatt Earp, The Patriot, The Blockbuster, Independence Day, Cohen and Tate, plus his second iconic role as smart-ass soldier Animal Mother in Stanley Kubrick's acclaimed war thriller, meaning this Chicago-born bloke has truly brought his full metal jazz hands. So please help me throw a huge explosive g'day and a, a turn hot to this bona fide electrified six-car action star who has also dabbled in dramas by diving deep into some ordinary people about whom he moaned to the radio flyer, groaned during the chocolate war, gruffed about how to make an American underdog, grumped while reckless, grumbled on the gospel hill, growled at Gacy and griped the house down bullies in his first iconic role as My Bodyguard, which he reprised in the 2008 remake, Drillbit Taylor, clearly an icon and clearly I can't drill it in enough how this gargantuan talent has gone above and beyond to leave us in a cold sweat and make us say, oh, he was in that other thing by literally being in everything in this fascinating career that hasn't left us in two minds with Coppola's Jekyll and Hyde, nor the Cape, Angel, the Inside Castle, DC Cab, DC Animated Films, Series and Games, The X-Files, Stargate SG-1, Jag, Bones, The Poseidon Adventure, Leverage, Deep Breath, Halo 3, Mass Effect 2, Transformers Prime, Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, Deep Breath, Jackie Chan Adventures, War of the World, Goliath, and I would go on, but that last ship has set sail with this Goliath, Captain Awesome, er, at the helm. So as we welcome to the torture chamber, surprise, surprise, Colonel John Casey, his fourth or fifth iconic role, I don't know, I've lost count by now, so chuck on your pink glittery pancake hat, a short skirt, and a long brown coat as we salute this herder of nerd, this mother of animal, this sweet-talking son of a teacher man, this bitch-slapper of aliens and space humans with his most iconic role in Firefly and Serenity, so let's disturb the peace and crack open our finest whiskey for the hero of Canton, the man we call Mr. Adam Baldwin, yay! Welcome to the torture chamber. Or should that be Colonel Adam by this point? Well, now, <laughs> thanks, Aaron. Now I know why you call it the torture chamber. I endured that. And, uh, yep, awesome. I, I look forward to the rest. Uh, take a breath. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you, made, you made it. Oh, goodness gracious me. I am dying after that one. It only, it only took me 40 years to get through that litany of credits. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. Tell me about it. My whole my whole life's work has been distilled down into that one little monologue intro. <laughs> one one little ball of idiocy, basically delivered by some moron from Australia. But I'll tell you what, look, with over one hundred credits to your name, that was funnily enough not the most daunting one that I have faced. Wow! Because it was kind of easy, you know. You you do put a lot, bit of your personality out there, so I I knew where the jokes were and stuff like that. That and a lot of the characters are, are quite grumpy, so I knew I could make a joke about that. And you pop up in everything, so. I, I couldn't have done it without you having done all of that. So thank you very much. I, I'm I'm not as grumpy as some. I'm grumpier than most. That's fine. I have called myself a curmudgeon plenty of times on this show, as our regular listeners would know. And they would also know that these introductions kill me every single darn time because I do them live, as you've just heard. Yeah. I tell you, because you are American and you have been asked a hundred thousand questions at every convention. 
online, offline, everywhere. So if I ask you something that you have been asked, you can plead, shut the fifth up, because the rest of us don't have a fifth amendment. And I will move on immediately because I don't like to ask the basic bitch questions or questions that have been asked a million times before. But also, I believe once you said, and I could be wrong again, you once said you wanted John Casey to go out in Chuck in a blaze of glory in the final episode. Yeah, and a bunch of hot lead and explosions and, and uh, a rain of fire. That would have been that would have been a good way for him to go out. Not as a, you know, a love bird uh, chasing after a bird, you know. Yeah. That's Australian terminology, bird. Yep, that's true. Well, welcome to Thrash and Treasure. So here is your blaze of glory. <laughs> you have had over 100 film and TV game credits. At what point did you lose count? Gosh. Uh because it's phenomenal. Year two, perhaps. I don't know. I, I try to just keep moving forward. It's nice that people bring up shows or performances that I've done, but I just try to record it and go on to the next. Yeah, just a job? It's not that it's just a job. It's just uh, why why look backwards, man? That's The devil is yeah. back there. Don't look back there. <laughs> Which one is your favorite of mine? My- um, I have got a question about it. It's actually Full Metal Jacket. No, no, no. Ga- games, games. I'm not a I'm not a gamer myself. I just do I just do some voices in a couple of games here and there. The games. Well, actually, I have one that I think I have two of the games that you're in. I have one that's Steam or something. Oh yeah, okay. And Blackgate. Okay. Did Did you win? No, because it's it's my nephew's DS, so I never got to play it. Oh. So technically, they're in the house, but I don't have them. What does DS stand for? Other oh, than Nintendo DS, so it's the handheld one, the small one. I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm an Xbox guy nowadays. I'm lucky if I can get these AirPods to work. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, Look, I'm lucky if I press record, if I remembered. But anyways, (laughs) we'll move on. If you were a rock star, what would be in your craziest, most over-the-top rider? (laughs) Uh, Gosh, let's see. I suppose I I would have to be guaranteed a a suite with a built-in jacuzzi and uh, various and sundry. Yep, that's what we're talking about. It's not even crazy, but, you know, it's it's comfort, you know. At, at my age, you got to be comfortable, you know. But at a rock star's age, you know, there are a lot of rock stars out there who are older than I am, and their hair is way darker. How do they do that? Lace front wigs, Adam. <laughs> that's how they do that. <laughs> yeah. They have got the most expensive wig you can imagine. Well, I guess the jacuzzi and some companion corgis, that might be oh, cool. Oh, puppies. I like corgis. They're cute. They're cute oh, dogs. Puppies. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love puppies. my puppy. Once they're no longer puppies, once they become yearlings, no, they have to go <laughs> per, the ri- per the rider. I'll sign the tail. Off you go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lovely. But anyways, we're going to move on. Little Birdie tells me that you play the drums. Is this true, Adam Baldwin? No, I do not play the drums. You don't? No. Really? No. Okay. That birdie is wrong. That birdie is wrong. I, wonder... I can strum. I can str- I can strum a little guitar, but I, I I don't play drums. Maybe it was the guitar then. I don't know. This was years ago, and I heard that, and I'm like, whoa. No. Really? Really? I get Scout's honor. This is my mind or my memory that it, it could have been someone totally different, but still within that world, you know, like Firefly or Chuck or something like that. And I've just got. I'm sorry. I'm going to cross that out and we're going to move on. Scatterbrain, as usual, that is not the first time I've gotten something wrong. But, you know, I thought, so it's guitar that you play, not drums. A little bit. Not not too well. Not too well. Not no. too well. Yeah, that's all right. Just a little, yeah. little bit. Ding. Cool. So have you had any experience with um heavy metal? I, I've listened to metal yeah. and rock and roll for, gosh, 35, 40 years now. I mean, maybe even longer, 45 years. Since I was a teenager, man. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the I grew up in the sixties and seventies. I'm I'm well aware of the metal genre and its evolution into well many different sub genres. Yes, because we're gonna do the metal album now, which you picked this week. You picked Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction. Why not? Before we get to that, we're gonna do my review. When I was first told Countdown to Extinction, I thought, finally, get rid of us all only to realize it'll be Megadeth. And I felt bad for a minute, then thought, nah, about time we bug it off. But much to my disappointment, I realized it was the band Megadeth and the album is Countdown to Extinction. Damn, this apocalypse gets one star. 
So I fired up the album and the opening number, Skin of My Teeth, started. Now I confess, I've heard Megadeth before, pre-1994 especially, but where other bands from my childhood have long lingered, Megadeth have always been buried six feet under the more radio-friendly bands, so I don't know what I was expecting. But what I got as each track progressed wasn't the sounds of a band willing to experiment or stretch their melodies beyond the one level. Not really ever showcasing peaks and valleys, nor twists nor turns, not even any slight kinks to raise an eyebrow. Here we have, quote, loyal heavy metal, unquote, with lead singer Dave Mustaine's vocals offering a dark yet theatrical narrative flavour. The compositions never really take us off the ground, which ultimately restrict this nigh-on interesting tone within his voice. So again, I feel torn. Here we have another legendary band whom I feel unsurprised by. Well, no, I am kind of surprised that the album as a whole feels slightly nonchalant, which may be due to the new members, but with a strong reputation preceding them, it's hard not to feel almost like down if not for the theatrics sweating bullets at 13 minutes long stood out as this felt like the opening number of a musical especially given the aforementioned tone in the vocals i can't help but wonder if the all-in mentality took away any unique vision for this 30 year old classic but it begs the question can you have a vision for an album what's the audio equivalent but i digress Whilst I couldn't tell you any past Megadeth songs or albums, they were on rotation in my early years through my brother, but I just have no memory of them to be able to compare, so I'm afraid it's a three stars from me. Whilst never boring per se, there just wasn't enough meat left on the bones after the extinction event. So yeah, I was, I don't know what I was, ex- I was expecting more or something familiar, I guess. I just thought it, it, it traipsed along at one pace, if you will, or each song was one pace within itself. Okay, so non- you said it, it sounded a little bit nonchalant. Could that just a be little bit, yeah. attributed to the, the super talent of Dave Mustaine? He's so good at what he does and it was so clean and well-produced. You were expecting something a little more raw and rough, uh, recording-wise? Possibly, yeah. Or just experimental in their music. Oh, okay. In the compositions, because it felt like, oh. bar maybe one song, it stayed at one level. There was no there was no crescendoing or anything like that, which, I, okay, that's a musical theatre thing, really, when you think about it. But I guess we, we explore so much metal on this show, so many different types of metals and so many experimental musicians that, will blow my mind because how have I never heard of them? How are they not all over the media Mm. or or whatnot? But here is a band that is so well known that I I have memories of them listening to them. If if you were to name some songs before this album, it would probably ring a bell. So I don't know what I was expecting, I guess. Because hmm. when I think of Guns N' Roses, Metallica, they're just so iconic in their songs. Okay, fair fair enough. I saw the big four play, this is probably, gosh, 10 years ago now. Oh, Going wow. on 10 years. Can you name the big four just off the top of your head? Yes. Ginger, Scary, Baby, Sporty. No. <laughs> no. Try again. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes, it's Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, and Sepultura or Pantera. No. Oh. No. It's, okay. it's, no, it's, <laughs> it's Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. Oh, okay. I don't have them on my bingo card. Sorry. Oh, okay. Ding, ding. I saw them with my son. We went out to Coachella and saw them. Yeah. The play was, it was freaking great. Oh, wow. I... Megadeth opened, followed by Anthrax, then Slayer. And then uh, Metallica closed the show. So it was, uh, I think uh, Megadeth went on at like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. And we got out of there at 10. It was great. It was just great. I tell you the extra hundred dollars for the VIP seats or the VIP pit, VIP pit, if you will, they were well worth it. And were you headbanging? Uh, a little bit. You... I had I had a flip, I had a flip camera with a, a telescoping uh, mount, and I was sort of three sixtying, videoing the the pit and the stage. And uh, <laughs> you know, about two minutes of doing that, the security guard tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Yeah, don't do that." Yeah, oh bugger. Okay, I have so- I have some footage uh, lost in an old laptop in a closet somewhere. I'll dig it out at some point and oh. uh, get it to Ancestry Box. But Megadeth. You know, it's it's really good uh, treadmill music. It's good for working out and lifting. It's awesome. That we hear that a lot from our musical theater guests. That they're like, I, I put the metal album on while I was working out, and it was perfect for it. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's because it's yeah. that that same pace all the way through. But yeah, so I I don't know what I was expecting because this album didn't ring a bell. None of the songs rang a bell. Um, mm. Mm. 
I can't think of a Megadeth song on the top of my head. Like, I want to say Sanitarium, but I think that's Pantera. How about uh, Tornado of Souls? No. Uh, you know, again, I could have gone the easy route and given you a Led Zeppelin, but uh, I thought I'd throw you a curveball with Megadeth. Oh, no, we, we did Led Zeppelin with um, David Yazbek, who, like, you know, has mm-hmm. a couple of Grammys to his name and a Tony Award and Emmy Award, and I didn't feel it at all. I just didn't get it. And I think it was shocked. Which Zeppelin? Um, whatever one was their way to heaven. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, or Black Dog starts off the album. Yeah, that's uh, it's the Untitled Zeppelin 4 album. Oh, that's right. Yes, 4, because there was a whole thing about the symbols. And yes, that's right. I remember that. God, that was a year ago, almost. How I remember anything is beyond me these days. Um, yes, I don't know. I, I, I described it as sort of loyal heavy metal because it was very much what you would expect i guess from that era i don't know who your favorite metal band is so i couldn't even guess as to which way to go to get you a four star review it's for the most or is it 10 did you give it three out of four or three out of ten a three out of five three out of five. Oh, okay yeah so that's still a pretty oh, good oh. score like i didn't hate it because i could like the lyrically they were they were quite strong so it's a c plus a c plus yeah, your book. there was just, right. the voice was very ominous narrator, it felt like, but without the, while the music straipsing along, without peaks and valleys, there was nothing complementing that drama, I felt. Uh, well, that is a very musical theatre now. It is, but metal, metal in general has been very theatrical along the way. The bridge is there. This show really doesn't need to exist to bridge the genres together, but we are... It just, I don't know, uh, what was that Symphony of Destruction for a song about marionette puppets, or at least had marionette puppets in it. Uh, When I heard that, I would have liked a dramatic cello through that. Just think of how great Symphony and Metallica is, or Symphony and Kiss. Having a cello or a violin through that, something really dramatic, would have elevated that song beyond the nonchalance that I felt. Mm. You didn't feel that the the ghostly uh, choral notes sort of filled that gap well i think they could have been complimented if anything oh well like so as i said there was a lot in there that i i liked i just felt it could have given their reputation i sort of felt that's it was the same thing with led zeppelin that i i never really i grew up more so with the who and listened to a lot of punk music and so oh, okay. the, and the yeah. who i see as proto-punk but led zeppelin i'd well not avoided but i just hadn't really dived into and so i was expecting something along the lines of a pink floyd or queensrike or something like that where there was something really trippy considering the era it was from but like they were good songs but i don't know i just i guess i'm expecting too much <laughs> that's all on me you feel that the riffs and the bass lines were all just relatively similar through each yeah. Each song, yeah, they yeah. all sort of they all sort of went to eight and stayed at eight. Maybe peaked up to nine a couple times at eight. Never got really got up to plateaued. Yeah. Did you listen to that on Sunday yesterday? I listened to it like a hundred times, or not a hundred times. I listened to it about twenty times in the past five days. Oh wow! wow. So I, wow. yeah, I I put the albums on rotation and then I go about my business and. Yeah. Did you listen to it in headphones? Or, or just ambient no. sound in your in your surround sound in my room. Ah, okay. So okay. really good sound. So yeah, I don't know. It's just so. Why did you pick this? Okay. Well, I don't know. I was just listening to it on the treadmill, and I thought, yeah. well, he needs some metal. He needs a metal suggestion. Here's one. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's a good enough reason as any. Um, look, a lot of them we just pick at random because the titles match up with a musical or something like that, and I get a kick out of that. Also, yeah. Extinction, uh, you know, we're sort of in yeah. an Extinction uh, moment or an Extinction cycle. We might as well address that. Yes, we are, and we are actually on this show. Um, yes, okay, so back in the day, you had a pretty epic mullet in a lot of films. Were you much of a headbanger? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no, not so much. No? I think I stopped being a headbanger when I went to a Wishbone Ash concert downtown Chicago on uh, a yeah. uh, little, little uh, mic- purple micro purple microdot trippy, and uh, it turned into a bad trip. We got we got pushed around by some older kids, and so I, I ended up running home. I was like 10 miles home. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, when I got there, my brother... He was home, and I ran up to his room, and he was like, ah, ah. he's like, what's, what's the matter, little buddy? What's wrong? I was like, ah, I'm having a bad trip. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, he said, just calm down. Here, drink drink this water. And he put yeah. on uh, uh, he put on the B-side from Metal, Pink Floyd, uh, 
He called call me shepherded me down. <laughs> no, not a not a headbanger. I do appreciate the thrash. I do appreciate concerts. You know, I, I'm more more enjoying of of lyrics that I can uh, literally understand better from power singers or singer songwriter storytellers. That sort of thing. That's more of my my piece of cake. Yeah, that's the problem I have with a lot of the albums we've had is I can't connect with lyrics that are all the way through. Uh-huh. It just sound like a motorboat. So here we had, I felt, such strong vocals that have a unique tone to them that had an almost, as I described it as a, an ominous narrator, really. You could hear him narrating, you know, horror, something like The Twilight Zone or something like that. Right. But the music didn't quite match up to it. And I don't know if that's because this album was, this was the first Megadeth album that was actually co-written by the whole band because he got rid of numerous, or they fired, I guess, he got rid of certain other members for being drug addicts, took on a bunch of new members, and then they sort of shared the songwriting and composing responsibilities. So I don't know if that's a, a matter of too many cooks here that there wasn't a singular vision by him that there was on the other albums which were all dave mustaine so yeah well i still think it's kick-ass album i like it. yeah your your opinion is noted sorry the fact i haven't had hate mail yet is a surprise to even me mm. i didn't like as i said i didn't hate it I, and i have truly hated some of the albums we've done on here or at least they've just grated on me what's your least favorite uh, album that you've done on there and what is your very favorite uh, a band called five finger death punch they're called yeah i just didn't yeah. didn't feel that one at all and my favorite has been a band called devil skin and i gave that six stars the album we rise and we did it a couple of weeks ago actually on the show and i gave it six stars i absolutely loved it six so okay. yeah but we've done quite a few that i've liked like we did Yima Sumac once for the metal album because she released a prog rock album. <laughs> and that was quite fascinating. And it looks like we've reached zero on the countdown to extinction. Thank goodness. So we're going to throw it to an ad break. Hey there, it's time to get Popped on Culture, the official Puzzle Hub pop quiz podcast. And welcome to game number five. I'm your new host, Matt Young. And for today's special theme, we're going to test your knowledge on musical groups, including bands, boy bands, girl groups, and vocal ensembles. Play against your friends or the clock and see how you go. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Game one, songs in the key of words. I'm going to give you three key words that appear within eight different songs. Pretty simple. If you guess the song correctly on the first keyword, give yourself three points. If you guess it on the second, give yourself two points, which of course means give yourself one for guessing it on the third and final keyword. So let's see how you go. Ready? First clue. Fantasy. Landslide. Reality. That was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Second clue. Lights. Carry. Home. Of course, that's all the small things by Blink-182. Next up, Valentino. Crystal. Italian. That's right, it was Manic Monday by The Bangles. I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream. Alrighty, fourth, picked, bunch, glance. I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. How are you going so far? Next up, Lady, Glitters, Buying. The Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Lonely, gazing, window. That one was a little bit hard for me, but that was Waterfalls by TLC. Here's our seventh clue. Walked, smile, cool. 
course, that was Stop by Spice Girls. And lastly, Honey, Bees, Envy. My Girl by The Temptations. And time's up. How did you go in that round? And be sure to check out our other shows on the Bloop Network, especially Thrash and Treasure, where you'll hear incredible interviews with genuine icons of stage and screen. So until the next game, I've been Matt, you've been Popped on Culture, and I shall see you next time. See ya! Oh no, that's why I've written amateur drama. I was going to make fun of you being an amateur drama, sorry. You're rattled, and I love it. I am. Okay, when am I not rattled? I'm always rattled. I'm neurotic and erratic, and that's just me. Right, but I, I, you're, you're particularly more rattled uh, with me right now, so I appreciate that I, uh, compared to the other, other shows. Yeah. Too much coffee. No, I haven't had enough. I tell you that. Anyways, we're going to move on. This is me every episode. Trust me. I'm an absolute fool. Maybe a notebook. Maybe a, maybe a handy dandy notebook like this. I have 50 of them hanging around. No, you need one that's smaller. You need one like hand size. I, but I do it all on paper so I can throw it across the room. Anyways, we're going to move on. I'm going to start again. All right. You're listening to Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron, and I am joined by Mr. Adam Baldwin. And we are going to move on to the musical now because the early bird gets the worm, but the early cat gets the bird. So before we move on, what is your worst earworm song? Oh, gosh. I guess, uh, like... Troubled Waters by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. It tinkles into my my ear canal. That that sounds gross, but it does, and I can't get it out of there. Like a ah. and then I have to think of <laughs> Symphony of Destruction. Then it uh, then I can knock it out, but it keeps coming back for some reason. Yep. I don't know what's. Oh, maybe it was a traumatic thing that happened in my youth. I think. <sighs> I'm having an epiphany. I think that song was one of the songs that my dad used as a mourning song when his marriage broke up. That and John Denver in a Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. Oh my God. It's all coming back to me. Like the hot kiss at the end of a wet fist. Goodness me. Well, that's why I asked the question because I want to get it stuck in people's head. This is a torture chamber. So, but we don't uh-huh. usually have uh, uh-huh. traumatic memories getting brought up. Oops, daisy. We're going to move on to Bye Bye Birdie, which you did at high school. Yeah. So that's why we did this. Now, picks yeah. or it didn't happen. I did. Oh, I didn't play Birdie. I, I just had a small part. Uh, I think I was yeah. a sophomore and I got to play the mayor. So. I got to I got to present Conrad Birdie with the key to the city, and then and then I was in and then I was in the chorus. But I got to watch uh, I got to watch it from from behind the scenes. You know, I really liked being a stage hand more than I did being on the stage itself. I liked the technical aspect of it, shining the spotlight down on the on the goofballs, and uh, you know, pulling pulling the ropes of the curtain and all that stuff, flying the sets, build, helping to build the sets. I, I, I enjoy that more than uh, learning my lines. Uh, you know, it's such hard work learning lines. You have to remember them. Ugh. Yeah, I, look, I I had no problems with learning lines. When I was doing theatre at school and stuff, I would always get sick in the two weeks before a show. I would just mm. always get sick. I would always get some sort of flu or something like that, but I'd still push on through and, and do it. That was, like, I had no problems. I wanted to be on stage, but now as an adult, I want to be behind the scenes. So here I have a audio-only podcast where I don't actually like the sound of my voice. But anyways. Um, stop up-talking. You'll like your voice more if you stop. Up talking? Yeah, it's that Aussie thing we do. When we ask a question, the voice goes up. I've noticed that when you make a statement, it goes up. Yep. Even when you're just a a declarative statement. Yep, very Australian (laughs) thing. I don't know why it is. Anyway, so I'm not surprised you played the conservative mayor. (laughs) I did not know this at all. I did not know it at all. I've gone my whole life. I knew put on a happy face, Mm? but I, I... just had never seen it. I sort of vaguely knew the story that it was about roughly based on Elvis going off to war. And so when mm-hmm. we sat down, I was like, oh, good. It's going to be some sad, tragic, non-love story where he's going to go off to war and never return because then he goes off and marries Priscilla, obviously. And, you know, the poor 
girl stuck in the town. But then it ended up being a love story between Albert and Rosie. I was so disappointed. <laughs> like, damn it. Because they bickered all the way through. But once they started bickering, I'm like, oh, clearly they're going to end up together. But yeah, okay, so this opened on my birthday, 24 years before I was born, April 14th. So wow. that has nothing to do with anything other than today is the birthday episode for Thrush and Treasure. But one thing I noticed, the logo and poster doesn't match the show, or at least on the CD, it's got the black background with the lips and it just, it doesn't match what's in the show. It's kind of like the advertising campaign for Firefly didn't match the show either. You know? That's true, yeah. It's a mercenary and a space whore and a girl in the box. Might as well be walking on the sun. You know, so packaging, packaging means a lot. It, it meant a lot then too. So the yeah. marketing departments aren't always in sync with the creatives. No, I think it had something to do with Cheetah Rivera because... She got top billing over Dick Van Dyke on this, which is often a big deal, especially on Broadway. Well, because Dick Van Dyke was a gentleman. Yeah, that too. So, yeah, I just thought that when you look at that poster, you're expecting something jazzy, like in a jazz club or something more akin to Chicago or something. You don't expect a 50s rock and roll musical where, you know, innocent virginal kids are dancing down the street and all I want to do is kick them in the shins and steal their fucking lunch money, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, go on. My favorite song in the whole show is probably coming up and I hope you I hope you pinpoint it. Well, I was going to say la- One Last Kiss. I know that. I know the Billy Craddock version, but I had no idea that was like the whole point of the story that he's going to sing this song and kiss the girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not the song. That's not the song, though. No. What, wait, what song? Oh, come on. Paul Lynn's song, Kids. Okay, let me, because I watched it. I actually know what it feels like now to be the metal co-host on this show when they sit down and listen to a musical and have no clue what it's about. And they're trying to gain the story because one thing I go on about the show all the time is that I don't pay attention to lyrics because I'm so erratic and all over the place. It's very hard for me to. I focus more on the music. So I had no idea listening to it. I, I couldn't pinpoint the song. I'm guessing it's where he was sort of saying to him that the kids are going to get in trouble or whatnot. Is that what was happening? Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids who can understand anything they say. Noisy, crazy, sloppy, lazy loafers while we're on the subject. What's the matter with kids today? What's the matter with kids? And what is the matter with kids today? You're still a kid. What's the matter with you? I'm going to be 40 in two years, so thank you very much. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> the, the kid to me. Yeah, Still no. a kid. Still a kid to you, honestly. It's the lace front wig, man. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> now I have a 13-year-old living here. Goodness me, I'm going to have a teenager running around. Oh, my God. You can't, you, you can't catch him anymore. No. Oh, God, you can't talk to him anymore. Full stop. Yeah, I found this just a really odd story in general. You have this premise. You have what is essentially a strong enough premise, but then you've got all this extra onto it with Albert and Rosie, and then she goes off to the bar and dances with the men. What? What was... I I thought I was watching a fever dream for a minute that... I don't know what it was. Was she having an orgy with them? Was she flirting with them? Or Because she, like, disappeared under the table, and they reacted. One by one. Well, I think there was some uh, innuendos, some uh, double entendres, if you will. This this show was done in the 50s, so there's only so yeah. much that they could get away with. And without uh, alienating the Ed Sullivan audience, it's just a fun, it's a fun romp. And one thing you learn, uh, I guess the moral of the story with Hugo and Kim is uh, you're not going steady for good when you're in high school. That's no. just not happening. No. no. Yeah, I actually, I loved the scene during the one last kiss where I thought the dad with the mayor would get his own way, but then Hugo comes out and punches him. Missed the part, obviously, where Rosie said to Hugo, let's do this thing. So I had no idea Hugo was going to come out and punch him. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. But I, I can see why high schools in America especially love doing this because it is, as you say, it's sort of that fun, innocent romp, really. But there's a lot of group numbers in it. There's a lot of opportunity for, you know, big casts and stuff like that and, and kids to play characters, silly characters as well in, in this. The whole telephone uh, 
yeah. number is, is just is beautiful. Yeah, just, and camp. Hi, Margie. Hi, Alice. What's the story, Morning Glory? What's the tale, Nightingale? Have you heard about Hugo and Kim? Love it. Come on. Every high school, every high school kid loves that. And especially when, you know, you get to watch uh, your, uh, how should we put it? In our school, I guess it was the, the It Girls, the plastics, if you will. Yeah. The mean girls. But in the, see, the weird thing about the theater department is there weren't really any mean girls. Uh, they were all very sweet and, and talented and mm -hmm. funny. And um, I was, you know, lucky to get out of the jock world and out of the burnout world and got into the theater world. So mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of fun there. I had a lot of fun there. I didn't have fun with the rest of school, but theater was great. Well, hang on. That, that, career move or that move at high school then landed you on this show 40 something years later so was it that lucky uh, after all i don't know i don't know that my hockey career would have lasted 40 plus years no i, I don't know yeah. i couldn't imagine that but you would have then gotten into acting no doubt as they all do these days wow that was a bit bitchy i love it when a sportsman like think about the rock has become a genuine movie star like you don't we don't have many movie stars as they used to make them anymore and the rock is one of the very very few out there so the secret to dwayne johnson's success he loves the game he loves performing and he's obviously very physically fit um mm -hmm. he's very very strong does a lot of lifting of weights and uh looks great on camera he's very chiseled uh, so he has the aesthetic cinematic good looks plus he doesn't take himself too seriously, which I believe he learned in the ring uh, yeah. with, uh, you know, WWF, WWE. And uh, that's, audiences love that. They yeah. love it. They love self-deprecating self humor from a, an otherwise uh, indestructible tough guy. That's it. He's, he's charming. He's got a, this undeniable charm to him. Yeah. So all that, yeah. And it was, how do we get on that topic? Oh, yeah, going from hockey to doing theater. No, it's funny. I when I saw on your resume that you had sung in Castle, I went and checked out the episode. I what you sang Sondheim? I did not expect that coming. They got you guys to sing West Side Story. Yeah, goodness gracious yeah. me! Of all the musicals, of all the composers, they could have given you guys to to sing. Boy, boy, crazy boy, stay cool. Boy. I had I had to run through that a bunch of times with uh, with Nathan. He he taught me how to do it. He's way more skilled at uh, song and dance than I am. So he said, no, Adam, dummy. It goes like this. Boy, boy, crazy boy. Stay cool, boy. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. Got a rocket in my pocket. Stay cool, cool boy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that that's a great, great episode. He's, uh, he's a hilarious, wonderful leader uh, of the pack on any show he does. Yeah, no, I was so surprised because I, I didn't know what I was expecting. It just said cool on IMDb. Song cool. It didn't say uh, uh, by Stephen Sondheim or anything like that. So I didn't know oh, okay. going into it. It was going to be West Side Story. I don't really like West Side Story or whatnot. Like, I don't know it all that well, but I knew it what it was straight away. And I was like, what? Goodness gracious me. Um, so, yeah, so I think it, you are essentially the American Hugh Jackman because you've gone from doing musical theatre to doing action movies. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's a great comparison, uh, Adam and, and Hugh Jackman. Terrific. Um, <laughs> God. I'm teasing. Not at all. <laughs> you ever see him do Oklahoma? Oh, I did on DVD, but I saw him do Beauty and the Beast twice. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he's head and shoulders above anything I can do. I, I wouldn't even attempt that. Uh, he's... um. He's fantastic. He's doing Music Man on Broadway at the moment, which I would have. I would love for Hugh Jackman to come on this show. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So you've traveled a hell of a lot with your work. We're speaking of Bye Bye Birdie, and he flies away, or, or not flies away. He's going off to war. You've traveled enough. So has there been a time when you were traveling that inspired you creatively? Uh, that's a good question. I think. Uh... I worked on a, a Roger Corman production called uh, 800 Leagues Down the Amazon. And yep. we went to Peru and we went oh, to Iquitos, wow. Peru, which is on the other side of the Andes, really at the headwaters of the uh, Amazon. Yeah. And uh, that's where I learned to uh, enjoy cigars because you could get really good Cuban cigars there. And I also learned that when you first arrive in a hotel in a strange land, check the water pressure and see if 
there will be hot water coming out of the faucet. If there's only cold water and it's a trickle, move hotels, which I did yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a new one where it had air conditioning too. That was good. Creatively, you know, I, I just figured out a way to uh, s- store needed tools and uh, clothing for going off into the bush. Yeah. It was uh, fortunately fortunately it was a dry season, so we didn't get we didn't get uh, monsooned out. But uh, it was pretty uh, pretty mm, yeah creative imagination. We we went to uh, some shamans, uh, myself Barry Bostwick and Daphne Zuniga and one of the other cast members. Uh, oh, Tom Verica. We were invited to go to sit with a shaman while he was drinking ayahuasca and. But I thought, well, it's kind of cool and spiritual. They light a candle. You're in a you know sweat lodge out in the middle of nowhere. Gosh, I hope we you know get, we get back home. But uh, after about 20 minutes of them drinking this potion, it was just a couple of drunk guys. Uh, so it <laughs> just oh, there and there was a translator there telling us what they were saying, what he was saying, and how uh, our lives were going to be affected by it all. And you know they weren't. It was just a couple of drunk drunk shamans. Getting hammered on uh, on root <laughs> root concoctions. Wow, and bloody Peru, yeah. So, by my birdie, the, the, as I say, I didn't know this. I don't know how it's gotten by me over the years. I really don't because it's clearly very beloved. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dick Van Dyke is, uh, you know, and Anne Margaret are obvious reasons why. Yeah, Rivera too, but. You know, come on, that, that opening segment I sent you with Anne Margaret singing, My, my birdie. So, so wonderfully beautiful. What a movie star. Huh? Yeah. And, uh, reading about the movie, I know a couple of people weren't happy with it because it was sort of tweaked to be a vehicle for her. Which didn't surprise me at all, really, because that's sort of what happened a lot with movies back then. Did you buy, did you, you, did, you didn't buy the fact that she was in high school? Oh, no, not at all. No. Well, I barely bought that she was a mother in Tommy. Ah. <laughs> but I love her in it. I love her in it. I really do. Because that movie is so stupid and crazy. and It's so stupid and wacky and wanky. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I just, I don't know how this got by. There's so many of these family-friendly musicals that got past me growing up. Because I had an older brother and sister. So I never, I never really got treated like a child, if you will. So a lot of them just, yeah. I, I saw Rocky Horror at three, Adam. How did I not see The Music Man? Or that explains that explains everything. <laughs> you saw Rocky Horror at three years old. It should explain nothing. That explains everything. It should explain nothing. Oh, I don't know if I was three, but you know, it was from a young age growing up. How many times have you seen it? Oh, have you ever thrown toilet paper in a theater? Um, no, because I don't like audiences that are noisy. Okay. So I have never gone to see Rocky Horror because. They don't shut up because it's all about the fans. Right. No, right. Know. Oh, shut up. Shut up, you wankers. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to the fucking dialogue. Exactly. And like it happens a lot on Broadway now that fans are going in groups and they're going time and time again to see these shows or right. even just all around the world to sing along yeah. and speak the dialogue. It's like, shut the fuck up. I paid $200 to sit in this seat. You know, you've gone to see it 10 times already. Oh, like what? You need comp house seats from now on. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. How many guests have I had? I've, I've had over 60 guests on this show and only once have we been offered free tickets. And I didn't get offered them. My co-host did. Oh. Disney's Frozen in Perth. Oh, in Perth. All the way across the country. Yeah. All the way over in Perth. Perth is a wonderful city. I had no mm-hmm. idea until I'd actually had a chance to get over there. We did a couple of conventions down there. Yeah. And uh, we, t- we took a boat a boat ride out to Fremantle. Yeah. And uh, we hung around in Perth for a while. What a beautiful country. Lovely. Yeah, did you go out to Rottnest? Uh, I don't think so, no. Where the quokkas uh, are? No. 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 Oh, no. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, so weird. I, I'll cut this out. But was, there was a quokka just sort of in the courtyard area. And I got my camera out and I sort of, I was focused on the quokka. And I, I started lowering down and I realized when I was a little bit too late that a woman had started lowering down herself right opposite me and her skirt was open right in front of my camera. And we both realized at the same time, it was that awkward moment of, oh, no. Delete, delete, delete. See, I'm deleting. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
that was what it's just like the really awkward moment her face turned red mine turned red it's like okay we're gonna walk away from this situation right now and never speak to each other again because well obviously we wouldn't have to but still anyways i've had some really interesting times when i've been traveling adam because as you know i'm quite erratic and neurotic so i get myself into a lot of trouble without trying erratic erotic neurotic yeah pretty much you have three ticks yep pretty much anyways we're gonna move on because birdie has flown off and i could finally take off this ghastly happy face and go to an ad break (laughs) g'day listeners aaron here while you're topping up your coffees did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. After barely three hours of light sleep, Toniston Turnbull slowly opens his eyes, his body feeling heavier than it ever has before. Not from extra weight, from tiredness and stress. Polly sighs in the shadows behind him, the flame of the nearest barbed wire tiki torch tower having died down, but not out, while Toniston napped. Are you awake? Toniston whispers. Oh, how can I sleep in this place? Polly moans, turning onto her side and facing Toniston, who stays on his back, imagining obscure animal-esque shapes in the rusted tin roof above them, shadows faintly formed by the nearest dying torches. We need to work out a way to get out of here, Toniston states the obvious. He whispers, despite the fact the nearest shacks to their own are several metres away, and the occupants presumably asleep, as most prisoners seem to be. How? There's no fence to squeeze through, or even climb, Polly replies, sitting up in bed and then stretching out her sore arms. The hairs stand on end from the slight chill in the air. I don't know, but I think the whole fighting thing is a distraction. You mean, to distract the other prisoners when new ones arrive? No, I I think that was just bad timing. Didn't you notice? Toniston goes on to explain his theory. That fight happened. Everybody gathered around. I didn't see one person who wasn't watching. And then when I vomited, the only gate in this place closed shut. What are you trying to say? I think something happened when everyone's back was turned. Like what? Whispers Polly, her voice breaking up in fear. I don't know. That's what we've got to find out. Toniston's brain starts working overtime. But it's strange that nobody seems to want to leave. They seem almost happy. Definitely content. So, when's the next one of those stupid beatdowns? Toniston can't help but think Polly looks tough, almost evil in the shadows as she asks, I don't know, Toniston begins. But both teenagers are distracted by a crumbling noise in the distance. Hopping out of bed, Toniston joins Polly on her own, equally uncomfortable one. Spotting a large, white package hovering close to the cave ceiling, behind it a shadowy figure. The package is lowered down, causing the teenagers themselves to lower as well, hoping not to be spotted by whom, or what, may be operating this obscure crane. Over a long, slow descent, the package is dropped to the ground. Polly keeps her eyes on it, but Toniston looks up immediately, spotting a large black shadow scurry away to God only knows where. Come, he whispers, as he quietly hops off her bed, slipping into his docks with bare feet. Polly follows his lead. Careful to keep watch on all directions, the teenagers swiftly sneak over to the white package, their hearts beating an almost tribal jam in perfect harmony, and stopping in their tracks as the sudden realisation of what lies before them sinks in. A woman, seemingly in her early twenties, wrapped up in bandages from the neck down. No, not bandages. Is that spiderweb? Polly asks, completely mortified at the prospect. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo!
Right, you're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron, and I can't take the skies from he. It's Mr. Adam Baldwin. You've worked with a lot of stuntmen over the years. A hell of a lot of stuntmen. Have you found me a husband yet? <laughs> uh, stunt guy husband. No, not yet. Uh, Bugger. But uh, mm, I'll, I'll keep my eyes and ears open. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's what we like to hear around here. Uh-huh. And more seriously, though, okay. have you done many of your own stunts in the past? Only only just short tumblings yeah. and falls to the floor sort of thing. The, the high falls, the, uh, the, the car crashes and the... Uh, the fire bits, I, I tend to leave that to the professionals, just in case. Yeah, you're not jumping out of a helicopter anytime soon? No, I've been harnessed in a helicopter, and in Chuck, we, we had a, a helicopter shot right at a little M, M14, M14, uh, M14 minigun, uh, yeah. which fires 3,400 rounds a minute. Uh, it's one of those Gatling gun roto things that um, yeah. I think it was uh, uh, Schwarzenegger carried it in, in uh, not Terminator, uh what's the one where he goes up into the jungle yeah one ugly motherfucker what is that one uh predator uh, predator thank you yeah when they're out in the jungle you were in predator too adam you know you were only in the sequel hey man it's late at night here it's late it's getting late at night it's way past my bedtime i started losing track of track of shows that i was in and that was predator 2 with danny glover and you know what funnily i had never seen it i don't know how i'd never seen it until about four days ago i watched it so when i booked you in what'd you think I, actually i quite enjoyed it i, I like the predator movies i've liked all of them so far and funnily enough on schwarzenegger he was originally offered the part of animal mother i believe and turned it down which then it went to you so I, I think I think not. I think not. Well, that's, uh, Wikipedia is wrong all the time, so I look like a fool all the time on this show. Don't you worry. Well, first, that is first. First of all, you would have been. He'd have been a little too old for that role anyway. Well, he, apparently, he turned it down for Running Man. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, Wikipedia, that's your story, and stick to it. Okay. Oh, look, we we um I dogs Craig Bjorko if he had been punched in the throat on stage on opening night because it was on a Wikipedia, not his Wikipedia, and he had no recognition of it. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously he had a concussion as well. Well, we know what Wikipedia yeah. is. It's basically a blog, yeah. a blog, of uh, information blog. So yeah. take it for what it's worth. I do. So that's why I like to clarify things along the way on, on this show. Is this true? Is this not true? Even then, IMDB has been wrong plenty of times and made me look like an absolute fool, I tell you that. But anyways, now Firefly was obviously a grower, not a shower. Do you get sick of people asking about a follow-up? Well, no, I don't get sick of it. I just think that it's a little far afield at this point. Yeah. Again, it's above my pay grade. If they asked me to come back in any any fashion, reasonable facsimile thereof, I would I would jump at the chance to reprise that Jane Cobb character because he was fun. Yeah, because <laughs> it was meant to be the game, uh, the Firefly Online. I have no idea what happened with that one. Well, it's it's gone to the wind with the uh, FTX crypto crypto beware cryptocurrency and ponzi schemes like the firefly game mm-hmm. they happen a lot don't they <laughs> unfortunately uh now one of my favorite projects of yours is full metal jacket and it's also in my opinion it's actually one of the scariest horror movies just and also one of the greatest movies ever made it's stunning it's scary full stop like just what they go through at the very start and obviously and with um, Vincent D'Onofrio his spiral and even just his facial structure changes once he starts get like he gets hit with the soap and then obviously we go to war and that sniper scene and like I watched it actually while listening to Bye Bye Birdie (laughs) people say that the whole Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz match up Mm -hmm. and I've said it on this show before you're just tripping you put on any movie and any album and they will match up and I promise you you put on Full Metal Jacket and Bye Bye Birdie at the same time you will get a good laugh because there are quite a few moments that there are group numbers where everyone's marching and stuff like that. I thought that was that was quite fun. But even like the sniper scene was still incredibly tense without the sound, without hearing anything that was going on in the movie. Now, Kubrick as a director was well known for being quite rigid. By that point, though, it was later in his career. Did he give you guys much freedom to play around? And Because this was like his fourth or fifth war movie, I think. Right. Uh, we had to stick to the script yeah. as agreed to going into the day. Uh, if we came up with some interesting ad libs and he liked it, he might keep it in. Yeah. 
but he would always figure out a way to redo it, write it down, make sure it was transcribed so that he could take credit for it, which was fine. Who cares? You know, it's, it's a Kubrick movie. We're, we would have paid that. We would have paid to be a part of it. Yeah. They didn't pay us much, but again, we'd have done it for free. Yep, that's it. And you you didn't get to go to Vietnam, but you got to go to sunny old England to film it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we went there in September of '85. It was beautiful summer, and it was uh, late fall, but it felt like summer. And we didn't start filming until middle late October, uh, so it got cold and and cloudy and gross. And they did a fantastic job. Some of those buildings said. You can't tell that it's England. Like you, it may not be exactly Vietnam, but it doesn't look like this is Pinewood Studios or wherever it was in England. It was all derelict uh, gasworks. Oh, was uh, that Beckton on the love, the lovely Beckton on Thames? Yeah, down oh, uh, you know the East End. Yeah, and uh, the the buildings were concrete, almost Soviet styling, and they were either dynamited, knocked over. And uh, Stanley's art department added some uh, Vietnamese-looking trim, and uh, so uh, we were we were fortunate that we got to stay in London because it's yeah, it's a fun town. Yeah, and so Vietnam is fucking hot. Oh my god, I nearly died there. Goodness me. Although when I was there, I watched Full Metal Jacket the night before I went to the Coochie Tunnels. Have you ever been? There's a book called The Tunnels of Coochie. Yeah, yeah it's a gripping scary ass uh book about these uh yeah these these guys that go into these tunnels after the the bad guys and it's 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 scary as hell oh yeah no i didn't go into the tunnels but uh the book the book is uh ripping enough yeah i'll tell you what it's there's a an eeriness in that jungle and some of those traps are horrific and mm. One thing I didn't like, though, was a, a an American tank that had been blown out. And so you had all the tourists climbing on it, taking photos and selfies and stuff. And it's like, how crass. Oh, my God, get off it, you absolute assholes. But, you know, it was just just a brilliant day. And it was just so intense just to walk through that jungle. Uh, but anyways, um, we're going to move on. Now, how ambitious or competitive have you had to be during your career? Because you lucked out very early you know ordinary people and my bodyguard an iconic role still to this day uh competitive i guess any actor that's in the game has to be somewhat competitive with the people that are uh, basically his type i again was fortunate enough i still had the, i heard the word no more than i heard heard the word yes yeah. which most actors will tell you is true especially in the early going mm-hmm. the key is just to stay patient don't spend your money don't be a drunk. Uh, don't don't get too entangled with relationships and stay focused on the mission. Yeah. Uh, you're not the first one of our guests who has been made into a figurine, possibly a Funko. And here is one I prepared earlier, which belongs to my nephew. He has the um, Firefly Jane Cobb, which he got. I think I got that in supernova sydney or something like that for him years and years ago nice nice. that's a good one they made they made a couple of really nice action figures of jane cobb so i have a couple of those a couple from chuck uh, a couple from chuck as well john casey awesome i have have those my wife makes me keep them in the garage now yeah they're there yeah now what is the weirdest thing they have slapped your face on or the weirdest merch i should say oh I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Huh? Weirdest. Such a vague term. Weird. We had um Chris Sarandon on, and there's everything Jack Skellington, and whilst it's not necessarily his face, it's his character because yeah. he, you know, did the the speaking voice. So he has like the Jack Skellington doorknob and stuff like that. Like what? Not that I'm imagining a Jane Cobb doorknob at all. Now I've just given the fans ideas. Good on me. I thought Danny. I thought Danny Elfman did Jack Skellington's voice. D- uh, Danny. Elfman did the singing voice because the songs were already recorded long before Chris came in. So they got Chris to do the talking. Why didn't they just have Danny Elfman do it? I don't know. I believe we possibly talked about that on the episode, which was a year ago. So that's that's out there for people to listen to. I have no idea. I can't remember. Um, yeah, no, Danny Elfman didn't do it, though. No, I'm, I know. I'm just winding you up. I know. Yeah. That. Uh, but Chris is a Broadway performer, so he can sing. There's a documentary on the making of Nightmare Before Christmas that explains the whole thing. Yeah. 
one of Tim Burton's toughest missions was to go in and say, uh, I'm sorry, Danny, but uh, your you're, you're acting is uh, no. leaves a little to be desired. So we're going to bring in we're going to bring in a real professional actor, but you still get to do the song. Oh, wow. It's a really good documentary, though. I really I really learned a lot. Tim Burton's a genius. Is that on the two disc DVD? Because I have the two disc DVD. Could could be or I think it's a separate one. I think it was more of a an anniversary celebration of the making of. Yeah, absolutely love that movie. And we had Jack Skellington on my show. What? Uh, anyways, well, since you can't think of the weirdest thing that you've seen your face on, what is the strangest thing you have autographed? Which body parts more so? Strangest? Strange. Also vague. Uh, I don't know, various and sundry weapons and vehicles that have been fabricated some some of them are the 3d fabrication of the serenity ship of the uh the shuttle yeah um anara shuttle stuff like that i tell you what i'd really like to autograph anara shuttle oh i missed my coochie joke you just reminded me i missed my coochie joke Uh, damn it it's been a long time since anyone tunneled out my coochie Anyways, moving on. Coochie, coochie, coochie. Thank you for reminding me. But that would have been yeah. awesome. That's not weird. Seeing, or even just the shuttle or the, the whole thing. The weapons, how do you, where would you, what? I'm guessing Jane or... Weird. See, there you go again. Oh, that's not, that's not weird. Well, tell me what your list of weird is. I don't know what where your de- definition of weird begins and ends. I don't know. Someone's left butt cheek or someone's grandma. Yeah, no, someone's grandma. No, I, I make it a rule never to autograph someone's skin because it, it invariably becomes a tattoo, which I find creepy. Yes, isn't it just? Goodness me. I'm so glad you said that because I'm now I know I'm not the only one that finds it creepy. Oh, look, I find the whole autograph thing weird myself. Like, because I've written three novels and anytime people buy them, like, you're going to autograph them? Do I have to? Did you really want my scribble? I don't. You do. You you do have to because it brings some people joy. I know. I don't get it, though. I, I just. Aaron, you just have to be nice to people. I know. I try. Yeah. I do. I do try. Just stop. Stop. <laughs> No, you don't gnar. You don't gnar. You just hey, I didn't realize there was an R in the word no. Gnar. Oh no, yeah, there's like ten <laughs> syllables. Didn't you know that? No. No. Yeah. Make fun of my accent. <laughs> Anyways. If they ask you to sign it, sign it unless it's a legal document or skin. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that advice. Anyways, um, Okay, if 10-year-old Adam popped into the room, what reminder would he have for you? Uh, I don't know. A 10-year-old. Jeez. I, I'm not good at this. I don't know. 10-year-old me was a mess. Weren't we all? Got nearly 40-year-old me is a mess. It's so long ago. It's so long ago. I don't know. What would 10-year-old... I don't, I don't... To wash your hands before you eat. No. Okay. Wipe your feet before you walk in the house or? Nah, he wasn't that guy. No. Take the dog for a walk? I don't know. Oh, well, that's all right. Now, fun question. Who would win in a battle royale between Jane Cobb, Animal Mother, John Casey, and Mike Slattery? It was Mike Slattery from The Last Ship, yes? Right. Okay, that's uh, probably Animal Mother. Animal Mother being the youngest, probably Animal Mother and being a Marine. I have to go with him. Yeah. Casey was also Marine, but yeah. older. You got to go with the younger guy. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I can imagine that. Although, Jane Cobb, I don't know. I reckon you, because he's a bit of a smart ass, I think you might get an, an edge. Although, a lot of them are pretty much smart asses. You play grumpy smart asses very, very well on film, Adam. Very much so. I like to think of myself as sniper funny. I wait in the weeds yeah. until the appropriate moment, and then I land the punchline. Yeah. That's my goal, to be uh, curmudgeonly lovable. Yeah, that's kind of the angle that I go for, except without the lovable part, as we all know. Anyways. Oh, you're no curmudgeon. You are no. You are nowhere near being a curmudgeon. No, not today. I'm actually in a pretty good mood today, although I'm stressed. I can fucking that wind, I tell you what. You got a hurricane coming? I had, we've, we've had floods and everything lately. There's storms. There's just don't know what's happening. But I can hear the wind, and I'll tell you what it's been. Are you in a flood? Are you in a? Are you in a floodplain? Well, we haven't really had any flash flooding. Okay. In the hilly areas, they do more so. So 
like there was just a whole dozens of suburbs were just flooded recently and made worse by the racetrack because they've got a flood wall. So it pushed all the water into the houses and no one's happy. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it just went for miles in a city too, not not out in the country or anything. But yeah, but where we are here, it's like, because we've got seven beaches right near us, yeah. but it's just flat. So we should be fine, should be. But yes. Anyways, I have come to the end of my questions. It has been an absolute joy having you on my show. Goodness gracious me. I cannot believe how lucky we have been in the past two years. So I, I truly thank you for being willing to to share this anniversary. Thank, thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure. Congratulations. Two years. And may you uh, go forward for another two years or potentially or potentially longer than two years. Yes. Now, look, I, I have so much fun doing it. Tell you what, I'll come back for your fourth or fifth anniversary. Husband. Yeah. Also, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm definitely going to hold you to that. And you've got to come back to Australia as well. Hey, man, as soon as I get invited down there, I'll, I'll head on down. That's a uh, beautiful country. Love the Australian people. Love the, uh, the weather and um, the golf courses. Yes. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. Some of the best in the world. That's it. Say hello to the family for me. Yes, will do. God bless. See you down the road. Anyways, an absolute huge thank you to Adam Baldwin for joining me today for our second anniversary episode. And you can find him on the socials at Adam Baldwin. Check out wherever. I'm sure he's on all of them. I know I use Twitter mostly myself, but everyone else is different these days. So just check. But but also check verification because these days that thing can be wonky. Anyways, Evan returns next week or the week after for his final episode. He has decided to move on from the show, so we wish him all the best. The show will be continuing with myself and various co-hosts along the way, and we're looking for another Team Metal co-host to join us. So if anyone out there thinks they fit the bill and can keep up with me, awesome. Let me know on the Twitter at Thrush and Treasure. Anyways, that's it from us. You take care, thanks for listening, and we shall see you next time. Uro! Like quicksand!